This is a tripod broadcast. You are listening to Hooked on Outdoors podcast, where we discuss everything hunting, fishing, and anything outdoors. With your hosts, Brett, Sky, Corey, and Rick. Hello, outdoor enthusiasts. Today, you are listening to Hooked on Outdoors podcast, episode 03. Three? Three. Well, technically, it's four. Right. If you count the OO. The OO is, like, important, but... I saw another podcast today that they did that thing, but they did three zeros in the beginning, so... Was that Meat Eater? No, it was uh, this guy named uh, Mike Ritland. Really cool. Really cool podcast. I know Meat Eater does the zero, zero, whatever as well, but we just do one zero or two if it was episode zero, zero. That's correct. So episode three, but podcast four. Podcast, the fourth episode in the podcast, Pantheon. Pantheon. We don't like to confuse people, but we have. (laughs) I've confused myself. So today's topic, I suppose... um, is going to be trout fishing, mainly trout fishing in Missouri, and uh, we'll talk about the trout parks and all that good stuff. But uh, before that, I guess we can just kind of see how everybody's doing. You know, like Rick, how was your week? Uh, yeah. Hey guys, uh, week was fine. Uh, apologize for not getting an episode out last. Was it last week? When we do the last one? We was it Saturday? It was Sunday the fifth. Or, so it's been over a week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was the 15th that we recorded. Gotcha. It was my uh, lovely anniversary on Saturday, so yeah. we were planning on doing a podcast that day, but I realized, <laughs> oh, okay, probably shouldn't. But because we're doing the Dave Ramsey thing as well, we didn't do anything, so we probably could have done a, a podcast. podcast. But other than that, yeah, week was good. What uh, is the Dave Ramsey? I've heard that a lot, but I don't know what that is. Uh, Well, if... Basically, his uh, his system is a zero-based budget where you have an allocation for every single penny of your budget coming in. So you, you allocate that to everything. And it, it's, it's, it's a little more in-depth than that. But basically, it's, a, it's an envelope system, but you know where every dollar is going, so you don't go over budget. And Sounds it works if you... If, well, it is, but it's more about discipline. <laughs> Self-control, yeah. Uh, buying this equipment was not Dave Ramsey approved, so, <laughs> but we we did it anyway. Well, thank goodness, otherwise we wouldn't be able to do these podcasts. That is correct. Yeah, this is way more important than Sky, how pennies. about you? <laughs> oh, wait, he's not here. Oh, yeah, Sky's, Sky's not with us today. He is not with us. Bumsky. Yeah, he decided to bail. But yeah. he should... Be there for the next episode. Yeah, he mm-hmm. should. Yes, he should be there for next week. All right, episode cool. four slash five slash five. He had family engagements, I believe, right? Yes, that's correct. Obligations. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, my week's been pretty good. Uh, it was my birthday recently, and didn't do anything. Um, not because of the Dave Ramsey way, but just because I don't know what else you what to do anymore. You get to about 21, you're like, hmm. Yeah, 29 is just another year. I mean, it's, I mean, 30 is like, ah, you're 30. But 29 is just kind of like an in-between year, which is what 
30 year coming up on 30 this year, right, Rick? <sighs> In a couple months? You know, yes. And it's weird. Like, you start to, oh, man, your 20s are gone. And, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it actually does a lot to you, you know. You like you think about everything and what you have and haven't accomplished, and it can be pretty, uh, pretty daunting, I guess you could say. Is it more have accomplished or more have not? Done? There's a lot of things that. What was that thing? Would you say? Yeah, it's more have or haven't. Is oh, it it's more haven't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, things you could have changed and things like that. Yeah, that's life. Yeah, I was that way uh, last year when I turned thirty. Yeah, the whole time I was just pretty depressed knowing that my 20s were dead and gone. It went by so fast, like, holy yeah. mackerel, I'll be in Missouri 10 years in August, and oh gosh, I'll be 40 next 10 years, and dead gum. 10 years, another 10 years? I don't want to talk about it. Brett, how was your uh, past week here? Eh, not a whole lot to note. Uh, working, you know. Nine to five. Jess and I have been good. My wife, Peyton's my daughter. She's fine. Healthy. Had a slight cold, but she seems to be getting over it. She hates sleeping, so uh, we don't get much of that around at our house, but I guess no parent does with young children. That, uh, is, that is correct. It only took our daughter a year before she slept through the night, so you only got like six or so months to go. Yeah, looking forward to it. But you love them. <laughs> and our weekend, Cora and I moved some beds around, and then I went to a wedding against my will. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yep, that's about the extent to my my weekend last week. So basically everybody's yearning to talk about fishing instead yes. of all the nonsense we did this week. Yeah, I mean, I'm still a little deer-pressed, but... yeah. This week, I'm excited to talk about fishing. I am too. I think it's a good topic. We're getting really close to the opener of trout parks in Missouri. Yep. <clears throat> well, it's the uh, catch and keep. Uh, you can keep them because they, they technically kind of remain open. We have to release them after October 31st, I believe is how that works. <clears throat> Excuse me. But uh, March 1st is the official trout opener. Um, and all the four trout parks here in Missouri, and apparently it's a huge event. Yeah, like, I mean, it's pretty incredible how many people show up on March first to fish these parks. It's elbow yeah. to elbow. <clears throat> yeah, in every park. And I have zero desire to do that. We've have, yet to do that. Yeah, yet. I was gonna say I've no. never. I've seen obviously pictures and what they post on their social media feeds, but I've never wanted to. I've never done it. I, I don't know. Just something about being shoulder to shoulder with, and my track record with being next to people casting in water, that's not very good. So, <laughs> no, you would probably get tangled a time or two. <laughs> Might now, go in retirement again. I think the earliest we've been is March 3rd. I think one year we went down March 3rd, which had the same feel as March 1st, but less people. Mm -hmm. uh, but when was that? When did you guys go down was, for that? Wasn't that 2010? Was that early March when we went when we did that? Yeah. Oh wow. One I think it was that year we went down like two days after opening day. No, yeah. And it wasn't very busy. No, it wasn't really good. But I, I mean I didn't realize that was early, early March. Yeah. But the reason why it's so busy is on March first they release the largest amount of lunkers in the park. 
like for the entire year. It's like the big grand opening of the catch and keep season and they release a lot of lunkers. And explain what a lunker is. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know, a lunker is a trout, rainbow or brown trout, that is three pounds or heavier. And it's a huge trophy. Just like, you know, a buck, you know, 150 inch buck is a huge trophy. A lunker is a is a large trophy for an angler, a trout angler specifically. It's just not very right. common. And we might be able to talk about that here more in a little bit, but some people say three pounds. For some of those that don't actually, they might, you know, bass fish and stuff like that. Can you explain three pound or higher a trout? Like, the, I mean, it's pretty, it's not, oh, yeah. not insignificant. Like, that's a no. pretty big fish. Yeah, a three pound trout is like, I would say it's an equivalent to like an eight pound bass. Yeah, easy. I would say that would be a fair assessment, yeah. you know, if for those who bass fish and don't trout fish. I mean, it'd, it'd be the same uh, rarity and uh, accomplishment to catch an eight pound bass. Yeah, absolutely. I've never, maybe once, seen somebody caught. I, will, I wasn't there when you caught your big one, you'll talk about maybe later. Yeah. But I've never, I think the biggest I've caught is maybe two pounds. <laughs> two pounder. Which is a, is a feat in itself. I mean, catching a two pound trout is. Yeah, it's. It's. It's pretty incredible i mean maybe i've caught one two pound i bet you yeah close to it at least we've caught we've caught quite a few two pounders over the last yeah I don't 30 years but over toot my horn here and think what i caught but i think it's been close yeah i know in my own experience i've caught quite a few two pounds two pounds plus never a lunker only one of us on this table has caught a lunker that would be me oh she's a beaut yeah that <laughs> was mouth and everything man. i've caught the biggest fish trout that I caught besides my lunker was two and three quarter pounds. And Brett was with me when I caught it. And that was, it wasn't a great fight. I'm not going to say it was like the best fight in the world. That fish didn't fight at all, really. But to catch it is what was interesting. Cause it, I mean, I threw every different type of lure at that fish. That wasn't the one that was behind the. The hatchery, right? No, that one was a little, was little over two pounds. That's though. the one that was getting caught. I think that was you, Brett. The one that was no, getting caught no, underneath Corey the Corey caught log. it, but yeah, that was a whole nother. Okay. Yeah, so you I guys were trying to net it. And I, <laughs> You're good. So well, I wish we had that one on film. Oh, it, man. It looked ridiculous. <laughs> we looked like. Oh, yeah. End of the story, we caught that fish. But this fish, I mean, as soon as I finally got him to bite and I got him in the net, I mean, Brett and I raced to the lodge. So. In Missouri, if you catch a big fish that you think could be a lunker, um, you get it to the lodge and they weigh it on a scale. And then obviously if it's three pounds, you get what uh, they call a lunker patch, which again is like a trophy in itself. A lot of people sew them onto their vests. It'd be like getting a band if you were goose hunting or duck hunting. Mm -hmm. Yep, very similar to that. Um, And then you get your name on the lunker board for the season. So if you go back again, you can go back and look at your name or you also scroll through all the names up there and see where you know, people are catching fish and, and it's, it's a, it's a very neat system, yeah. very neat system that they do. And it really just kind of brings you back for that potentially, you know, to catch a three pound fish. And I think that's why people come in on March 1st. Mm-hmm. Correct. Now to, to, to reel in about the lunker, um, I do want to talk about, if you want to talk about your lunker that day is a day that I will remember fondly. Yeah. I, I'd i love to say that I searched for that fish all day, 
you know, and I threw every type of lure at it and it was me or the fish type of situation, but it was, it was just luck. Well, I just remember before the, the buzzer went off, the buzzer is the bell that goes off at whatever time in the morning to let you know you can fish. But, uh, Corey literally leans to me before that goes off and says, I'm going to catch a four pound trout today. Has yeah. he ever said that before? Uh, kind of, but this time only was... every buzzer. <laughs> <laughs> but he had yeah, a lot of confidence day. in this one. <laughs> Seemed different. Yeah, yeah, different day. In fact, I think he said maybe a four and a half pound or something. Yeah, I don't know. It was a weird feeling I had that morning. I just I don't know what came over me, but I thought, you know, today's the day I'm going to catch a four pound fish. That's going to be a good day. And sure enough, yeah, he uh, he looks at me with this. Mouth wide open, eyes half dollar size, and I knew immediately he had something bigger than a average even two pounder. And it took me a second to spot what he was looking at, but when I saw it, I knew right then and there that was a freaking monster. Yeah, I I didn't know it was that big at first. I knew it was a good sized fish because when I set the hook, it didn't really come towards me. It was like I was almost hooked on a log but you know you could tell it was not a log and when I started to reel it up I felt it fight a little bit and then I got to the surface of the water and then I realized you know at that point that it was a it was a huge trout definitely the biggest one I've ever had on on the line and then it went straight back down to the bottom of the river and my drag started pulling out I loosened it up a little bit because my line just started zinging down to the bottom and I was afraid I was going to break that line it's a good thing I did because he would have snapped it. I mean, I'm only using four pound test, so a four pound right. fish versus a four pound test, especially trout. So uh, when you when you hooked him, set the set the kind of the state. Like, what was the environment? What was temperature? What was what, what did you decide to use for bait? And how did you like? What did you go through mentally before you cast it? Like, was there any game plan? Well, there there wasn't um, there wasn't a whole lot of fish caught that morning by a, a lot of different people. It was kind of a slow morning. Um, I had hooked a couple fish before one of them broke my line or not broke my line. It got off my hook and then I caught a small fish, let it go. And then I caught another fish and kept it. And then I wasn't having much luck after that. I mean, it was like every cast, I wasn't getting much. So I actually changed baits to what I call the cheater bait. <laughs> Some which, sugar. which is why I, I'm not as proud of this fish as I could be, but it's still, I mean, a yeah, once in a lifetime cares? fish for who a lot cares? of people. So I put on, uh, it was salmon, what was it? Salmon egg. Salmon peach egg or something, wasn't it? Wasn't, didn't it have something peach in there too, maybe? I don't remember. But I threw some some salmon power bait on, which is like a dough bait, and put that on my hook, and I was throwing it out there, and I, I wasn't even catching anything on that. And then, But I was fishing in this pool under this down tree, and it was the deepest part. Then it kind of got shallow again, and I could see it you know, with my polarized glasses on, and then it kind of river kind of came down and it got deep again and so i was like well i'll just try a little bit closer to me in that hole and it wasn't down there for a few seconds Mm. and that's when i hooked him and uh the fight was probably about five minutes long but it felt like it was about 30 minutes long i mean it was it was an intense fight it was to the point where everybody kind of quit fishing around me once they realized what i had they knew yeah there was another guy that was actually fishing for that trout like he must have seen him the day before because he was like looking for him and once I hooked him he was just like mad 
He had like this really ticked off. Look he didn't come over and cut your line. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was not happy. He wanted that fish. He claimed it, I guess. But at one point, the line actually got wrapped around your stringer, Brett. Right? Ooh. I, th- I thought it was your wife's. No, because she wasn't she wasn't standing that close to me. Oh, okay. So Maybe it was it yours my... because you were trying to net the fish for me because I was so focused on my drag that I was having I kind of blanked out on trying to net the fish. And at one point, the the line got wrapped in his stringer, and I saw over the corner of my eye, and that fish started going to my right, and I knew that if he got that line taut, it would just snap. So I reached over there and flipped it off his stringer, and and you know, thankfully, eventually he netted the fish. Bear hugged it. We basically ran out of the water <laughs> <laughs> as far away from the water as possible. And I looked oh, yeah. back at that guy, and he just had a really depressed look on his face. I've never had. <laughs> I've a seen fish. that look before. <laughs> I've never had a fish where, because he went in head first, obviously, and more than half of him felt like was hanging out mm. of the net. Yeah. And so that's why I had to bear hug him, because usually when you catch a, when you net a fish, like, you can just grab the net and he's trapped inside, but this thing was hanging out. So I just, like he said, I wrapped my arms around it, and we ran out of there as quick as we could. And that moment was like, I was so focused, and then once it was out of the water, and then it kind of hit me like that just happened. Like I, I just caught that fish. How did you realize? When did you realize how big it was? Like, did you know as soon as he picked it out of the water, you knew it was a monster? Or were you just so in tunnel vision? The, I mean, I, when he surfaced the first time, I knew it was definitely a lunker. I mean, there was like no question. Like I've caught fish, and I'm like, man, that's a big fish. I might want to get that weighed. This one, it was a no doubter. I mean, it was it was definitely a lunker. Right. We'll have to make you put a thumbnail. In the in the YouTube podcast of the actual fish he got, just to give him an idea what they how big it was. And uh, so we got it to the lodge pretty quickly, obviously, and, and it ended up coming out close to four and a half pounds. It was a big rainbow, as a male, so it had the big jaw, looked like a salmon, basically. And it was, I mean, for me and a lot of people, once in a lifetime yeah. trout. I mean, I'm the only one in our family that's caught. I was going to say, your Lunker. mom's been fishing there since she was a little girl, and she's never caught one. She's never right? caught one. Yeah. Besides, uh, our dad caught a three-pound lunker, I don't know, that was probably 10 years ago now. Yeah, it's about 10 years now. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it was a pretty wild story. But that's, I mean, that is what brings people to Montauk, not just because of the lunker. I mean, I've been going there a lot longer than that, but just stories like that is pretty interesting. Right, you gather so many different memories. And uh, does anybody else want to share some of their trout fishing memories before we continue? Good or bad? Either <laughs> or. Because, Rick, I know you got a mixture of both. Oh, I'd say more uh, more good more good memories over the last uh, 10, 15 years. But the two that stick out the most, the most negative ones, was falling in the water with waders on at some point when I was younger and then getting tangled in a tree day after i did it before on the opening cast and i retired for about five six years that was that was a long time ago i was probably 10 then but yeah so but my good uh, good memories i mean i just it's it's never really been about catching the fish for me like i don't i love it don't get me wrong it's the experience being with with you guys and typically we're all in the same general area on the river and that's what i love about it it's like and that's kind of my whole point these podcasts like when i'm doing hunting activities and fishing like i love the group camaraderie and just being together so when we're in the river it's usually 
you know, waist high or so. So we're just there. So my, my favorite memories are being with you guys and catching the fish as we do and saying, Hey, look what I got. Look what you got. Keep going, man. Like you'll get it. Like some, I usually have more bad days than good, <laughs> but it's always the encouragement. Like, Hey, you'll get it next day. And then maybe you catch one fish the day one and then four fish really quick on the second day. So that's kind of how my memories have been, especially the last 10 years, man. We've had a we've had a ride the last yeah, 10 years, literally been, 10 years. Cause the first time you came back, I know in the last episode you said you came out of retirement uh, snagging, but it was actually oh, it was the that it was spring the, before yeah, 2010 yeah. that we went to Montauk, just the three of us, and you came out of retirement then, and you it took you a while. Yeah, but and we, the fishing was not great. That it was that fun way. though, like I yeah. said, but it was it was a nice step back into the yeah uh, yeah. So like I said, I don't claim to be a uh, a pro angler or anything like that, but man, I, I enjoy. I enjoy the trips down to Montauk for sure. And if you guys want to watch that video, it is on our YouTube channel, it 2010 uh, Montauk trip. It's the goofy guy with a stupid high and tight with a, <laughs> with a <laughs> old moto marine jacket on. Well, so. you don't see him reel it in, but you do get to see Rick holding his very first trout. At least we claim that this is his first trout. Like a patsy. <laughs> <laughs> you were excited. Straighten the wrist, Rick. All right, we'll do that. But yeah, so that's uh, that's probably my memories. I don't have one specific memory, just because it's always just it's all. What about that fish you lost a couple years ago? That's a bad memory. I'm trying to think about it. <laughs> that was one of my favorite memories fishing with you. You know, you 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 think you get. It's funny, like with, with any type of thing you do, any craft you learn, you always make stupid mistakes, and then you learn from them. My stupid mistake was reeling in a pretty decent sized fish. I don't know, Good probably fish. two. I'd say at least two pounds. Dang it. I'd say at least two pounds, and the sucker went under my leg, so I was trying to, because he's going to do that, he's going to get caught and everything and break off. So I stupidly grabbed the grabbed the, the line with my hand and kind of lifted up on it, which you're not supposed to do. I knew it, like mentally knew it, don't do that, but that's the only way I could figure out to get him unwrapped my leg. As I pulled up, he snapped, and sure enough, he... He goes away, and I've been fighting him for a couple, yeah, that three was or a, four minutes. I mean, was I was fish. I was excited, and golly, so then you were. I was, pissed. yeah, that was. I think I took a break after that one for the for the day, but trying, thanks, Corey. I wasn't trying to. Sorry, I just it, <laughs> like I said, more bad memories, more bad memories than good. I think uh, some of those. Are I just, keep going back though. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, that's well, why you we, just keep improving. Oh yeah. I have a, a strange memory. Um, 2010, if I recall, it was not our March trip. It was a July trip, and Corey and Rick's brother, Patrick, were there. And we were fishing in an area we called the uh, Handicap Spot. And uh, an older gentleman kind of, because Corey, Pat, and I, we were about arm's length away from each other. And we felt, because that's good enough to cast and all that. And... Uh, so this older gentleman comes in and literally like basically plows Corey over and stands <laughs> next to me, like almost touching me. And anyone who knows me knows that I'm easily annoyed by people that I don't know invading my personal space. That's even people you do know. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. However, this guy has a basically a bass lure on. And uh, his first cast, I don't, I don't know how he did this because he was standing on my left side, shoulder to shoulder with me. 
but on his first cast, he hooks me. Two of the barbs dig into my neck on my right side. How did I forget about this story? <laughs> I don't. I don't think you were there. I wasn't, but I, I don't know how I didn't remember it until you just said that. I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> so, so he Yikes. sticks me in the neck. So he had a had a treble hook on this lure, and two of the barbs get me in the neck. And he had no idea he he hooked me. I grabbed his line just out of reflex, and uh, prevented him from casting. Otherwise, that would have been right through your much worse. <laughs> So I, I, I shouted at him to get his attention, and I, was, I probably said a few words, too. But I remember telling Corey to get the fingernail clippers because both of the barbs sank in my skin. So it's not like you can just pull it back out. Mm-hmm. And uh, Corey walks over, and he's – Corey, if anyone knows, he's kind of squeamish when it comes to, <laughs> to blood and uh, such. Human, human blood. Yeah, human blood. Animals I can do, but humans just gives me the (laughs) heebie-jeebies. But, uh, so, Corey's, like, almost in more pain than I am just from trying to, because I told him, cut the skin so we can cut those barbs out Ah. with the fingernail clippers. (laughs) I'm about to pass out. Corey was starting to get the (laughs) shakes, and I'm like, I was like, just yank it. He's like, I don't know if I could do that. Like, yank it! Because I was quite (laughs) pissed, to say the least. Corey gave everything he had and just yanked that hook right out of my neck. And, and uh, I should have clipped that guy's line and tossed his I thought we did clip that line. Uh, I don't know if I did. I could have swore we clipped it. I don't know. Maybe the not. guy hooks you and you, you save his hook and save his line. That's yeah. in his well, bobber probably. Should have threw his pole and him in the water. Yeah, but I tried to be a... a uh, he felt bad though, I imagine, yeah? No, I don't remember him. No, he, just, he just reeled it in and cast it again. <laughs> yeah, he just cast it back. I don't think he said two <laughs> words to me. Honestly, I don't okay. think he apologized or said "screw you" or nothing. Throw the pole in. He's he was what we call a a Louis. A Louis. A Louis is our own our own slang term for a city slicker who doesn't know how to trout fish who comes in and and uses bass equipment and and doesn't understand the ethic of trout fishing. Correct. And there's a lot of Louis, which I guess some people will complain about trout parks because. You know, it is a public fishing area, and, you know, sometimes, especially in, in the July, like we were in the summer months, it's always packed, even during the weekday. That's why, for some reason, like, that, the few days after the opener, that big crowd leaves, and that's why it's one of the best times to go out there, because you don't have to deal with shenanigans. <laughs> and before we continue uh, on to the next point, there's that one story that I just remembered, when Brittany, my wife, and then... Corey or Emily, Corey's wife, they hooked the same fish. I'm not even kidding. I've yeah. never seen it in my life. Probably will never see it ever again. But they hooked the same hook, the same fish, and they both were reeling in there. We thought they got their lines caught, but they end up pulling that sucker. That fish had two hooks in its mouth. I, <laughs> I have no idea. That's hey, both are bait. I same wonder time. what that uh, the chances are of that that was pretty cool. Apparently, it's somewhat high because in 2017, October 2017. I went fishing with my uncle Gary, and uh, the same thing happened. Well, I'll be. And he's got it on film. That was, yeah, we got that's that on one. YouTube. Too. A double yeah. hook, huh? Wow. If you look up the October 2017 trout fish video, uh, I was using a rubber worm, and he had power bait. And, uh, yep, I, I tried to net him, 
And the next thing I know, the fish almost like levitates out of the water away from me. I'm like, that <laughs> is unnatural. And I even say in the video, I'm like, I say in the video, I was like, he's fighting awful hard because he wasn't a huge fish, but he was fighting awful hard for his size. And when I go to net him, he just sort of flies away. And I'm like, what the heck? And uh, I finally realized that my uncle's line, I thought the same thing, his line was wrapped around mine. And I was like, you're making this hard for me to net him. He's like, well, I think I have him. And I finally net him. And, uh, yeah, both of our lines huh. were in the fish's more mouth. more common than, than I guess it Yeah, I mean, realized. if the bait's close enough and the yeah. fish is really hungry, I mean, it's used to eating fish food by the yeah large numbers in the hatchery, I guess. As Uncle Gary said, that darn greedy fish. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, trout, the trout parks in Missouri are a, a really great way to get out in the outdoors, even if you aren't. You don't even uh, have to be a fisher, uh, an angler, to yeah. to go, because they're yeah. just, especially Montauk, man, we don't want to tell people to go there, but, I mean, man, the experiences that we've had. So, yeah. I mean, and I we joke about calling people Louis, but we have no problem with people <laughs> learning a new style of fishing, even if they're not using the quote-unquote right poles or, or lures. You know, we want people to come out and enjoy it, too, because mm-hmm. we have, you know, our whole lives. Montauk, well, he's, well, the trout parks, but since we're more familiar with Montauk, Montauk has always been a great place to take non-anglers there and gar- almost guarantee they'll catch a fish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And everybody that we've taken down there, angler or not, love it. they come, they want to go back, and they, they keep talking about wanting to go back. Yep, it definitely gets a lot of people hooked on the outdoors. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> I thank you. I'll be here all week. But we are familiar with Montauk. We have been to Bennett Springs once. Ten years no, twenty years 20, ago. Twenty years. I was gonna say I was about nine. twenty years ago. <laughs> I got my first pair of waders there. Uh, we did more spend more time looking for crawdads than we did fishing. So I can't really judge that place. But I am going back in the end of May to Bennett for the first time in twenty years. So I will let you all know how that goes. Try something a little different. Who are you going different. down with? Uh, Jeff and um, buddy Tim. It's his bachelor party. Nice. Mm. So it'll be a fun trip. Yeah. Yep. But uh, there's also two other parks in Missouri, Brett. So the other two trout parks in Missouri are Roaring River State Park near Caseville. I've never been there. Nor um, have I. I've never even heard of it until like this year. Where is it? I know it's in like, Caseville, but we're... It's like uh, Ozark area, isn't it? Yeah, oh, it's... Is it? it's okay. I'm pretty sure it's... We did our homework, guys. So. Yeah. And then uh, Merrimack Springs near St. James. Yeah, um, yeah. I've never fished there, but I have been there. It's a pretty park. Um, I have talked to people who have fished there, including my wife. Uh, before we were married, she described it as fishing at Montauk's, what we call the social holes, where you just you kind of walk up to a bank and you throw into a s- smaller stream and... Uh, and you know that's fun, I guess. Is that where Mr. Farrar they go? No, they no. go to Bennett. They go to Bennett. Okay. Yeah. But uh, those are the four trout parks in the state of Missouri. And they all open the same day, March first till October thirty first is catch and keep for all four of them. Um, they all four have uh, they've raised the price four dollars. Is for it adults. four dollars now? Yeah. That's the first time they raised Yikes. the ticket price in well, 15 years. I think I read that in the email yeah, we got. It's, it's been about 15 years. I mean, considering inflation and all that stuff, I mean, that's pretty cheap still. But yeah, I get it. It's like, eh. 
So it was two dollars back in the day, way yeah. back when I remember it. So explain to someone who doesn't understand what we mean by four dollars a day, what they're doing yeah. there. Uh, Brett, did you want to talk about that or? Yeah. Um. So in the Trout Park, unlike because see Missouri has uh white ribbon, blue ribbon, red ribbon areas for trout fishing, and they were they're more like a natural like a wild, and you're required a trout permit and a fishing license. In the trout park, you don't need that trout permit. You just need your fishing license, and then you have to purchase a daily tag. A daily tag. You go, you go into the lodge, and you normally you show them your license, although some of them don't require it. I guess they've forgotten to do that over the couple of years as they get older <laughs> themselves. Yeah, and they just sort of. I guess they just say it's on you if you get caught. So, uh, but yeah, you just just a paper tag. You sign your name. You attach it to your hat, your vest. As long as it's visible, um, so people know that you are a legal fisherman. The daily mi- limit is four fish a day you can keep. Now. And that's the same price for out-of-staters, too, yeah? Like anybody coming in, yeah, as long as they have a fishing license, mm-hmm. right? they can get that $4 tag. So, I mean, it's across the state. Like You don't have to pay extra for a fishing tag at the at those areas, not a fishing license. I don't right. know how much. It's not that much. It's not much. Missouri 15 bucks is, or something uh, like that. Yeah, Missouri's very cheap when Generous, it comes to yeah. that. Yeah. So according to Missouri Department of Conservation, they're actually doing a pilot program at Merrimack State Park where they're going to change the daily limit from four to five trout. Really? Yes. Um, it used to be five. It used to be five. I remember. Years and years ago. Yeah. Um, so I don't know why they, they call it a pilot program when... Uh, <laughs> that used to be <laughs> the case, but we'll I think just... they're going to charge more for the the uh, daily trout tag too. Though I believe it's five dollars for them, essentially a dollar fish, dollar, dollar fish, fish yeah. that you keep. Which that's not, not that's bad. not bad. I mean, you go to the supermarket and you can you're going to spend the same amount of money, if not more, to buy fish. Right, and these are fresh. I mean, caught fresh. Or clean fresh if you clean them yourself. And if you fry them that same day, which is one of the best mm-hmm. ways to eat fish. Like, you, you can't get a better bargain than that. I mean, trout's such a white meat. I mean, it's, Right, and it's it's in the water, too. People that don't do this, like, it's cold water. So, they're, it's stream water. It's spring water. It's constantly moving. So, it's not like a stagnant carp that you're eating. It's, right, right. it's fresh. It's fresh. clean. And, yeah, it's, uh, it's some of the best eating, I think. Yeah, trout's one of my favorite. Yeah, other than oceanic fish, which has been my favorite experiences. Um, Gosh, I still haven't done a deep sea fish. Every time I go there, I'm like, oh, that's too expensive. Gray snapper, the best fish I've ever eaten. Mm. Yeah, deep sea fish. that was good. But you had mentioned, I don't know why this made me think of this, Brad, but you had mentioned you strap it, you, you put your the, the daily tag on your vest, your hat. So I'm curious to know, what are your guys' loadouts for gear that you use, have used, tweaked with over the years? that uh have worked for you and what are the most successful and then like what are the things that have been kind of least successful (laughs) (laughs) you you go first no you go first all righty um for me personally like over the years my and then sorry uh i hate to cut you off but then what areas do you look at to try to catch the best fish too just to kind of get people the idea of what you're looking for with all your gear so Sorry. do you want me to go through like my history of advancement or? Well, I mean, you don't have to like go through from like age 10, 11, 12. Well, like I was just, just going to say generally, like, yeah. My early years, you know, I stuck with 
strictly power bait. And I think for a lot of beginners, that's a good bait to use. Just because it's simple, you know, if you, you can learn the drift method where you throw in front of them. If you spot, see, I spot fish. I guess we want to talk tactics. So I'll walk a stream and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll fish down trees and all that too. But I like to find a fish in the water, in the stream, and I say, I'm going to pursue that fish. Hmm. And uh, so, and I've caught two-pound fish doing that. You know, I've, I spot lunkers and I've failed, but uh, <laughs> most people do. But so I usually tend to walk away with a, not a great, not always a great stringer, but you know, I'm, I'm fairly picky about, you know, in the morning I might catch two fish right away. And then those last two, I'm like, I'm going to pick them out. So I spot them because the stream's crystal clear and, you know, I'll use different methods. Like if it's in a current, if I'm using power bait or doe bait, you know, it's just simple drifting it right in front of their face. You know, and you want it to stop just and how effective is that, though? Because I've tried that, and they just seem to go, yeah. Well, or I mean. Or give me the finger, so to say. Well, some some <laughs> fish, are, the lunkers and bigger fish tend to be that way because they, they've either seen it so much that, you know, I don't know if they're smart enough to comprehend that it's bait, but it just is no longer appetizing. So that's why if you're going to use doe baits, I recommend having about three different kinds because you can get different colors, but they all have the same scent. So if you get like rainbow, it has the classic smell and all of them have that classic smell, but you can mix it up with like, I like to use a garlic and boy, that stuff stink. <laughs> it's awful. But it's been pretty effective. I, I mean, I'll explain that too when I talk, but like garlic, seems like the garlic bait. It's, that's the. Yeah. And it's just, a, it's a different, it's a new smell. It's not, it's not because every dough bait, at least power bait, you know, there has that classic similar smell. So it might have different, 15 different colors, but they smell the same. If you get garlic, even though it's still made by Berkeley power bait or whatever, it's, the scent is different. Right. So if you get like three baits with different scents and you drift that in front of them, that's how you get one to finally be like, oh, that smells great. I'm going to eat it. And what about gear? Like what kind of what kind of gear are you rocking out in the, the water? Outside of bait, you mean? Yeah. Like what, your gear set. Like what, Okay. What, well, typically what do you? Something that's kind of required is a the fishing vest. It has your pockets where you can hold all your bait and tackle. Um, it also allows you to carry your stringer, which is a must-have if you plan to keep, and your net, which will attach to a D-loop on the back. Um, obviously, you could grab the fish with your hand if you wish, but... I think Mar- didn't Marble Man do that? He didn't have a net, did he? Probably not. He just I, had I don't jeans think he had on. a vest. He just had <laughs> jeans and cowboy boots submerged in water. <laughs> Which, that's fine. If that's your preference, you know, you don't have to have this stuff. It's just that's my right. preference. I feel like it. it's tools and convenience. <laughs> um, but other than that, I... Oh, and fingernail clippers because mm. a lot of times you just got to clip your line whether you're getting bird nests and... All some, sorts of shenanigans. Yeah. Th- those are handy. Um and what do they call hemoglobins or hemostats? 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 I don't know. I call them, I call them clips. 
because they clip onto your vest. It's the uh, surgical things where they grab him, yeah, him, the, hemostat. Him they're kind of like they're like pliers. Yeah, but they're lightweight. They have a little curve. Some of them don't, but mine curve. My wife would shake her head. Him, him, a him, a him, a him, a hemostat. I think hemostat. 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 Well, so the hook helps me get those down to the fish's mouth, so I can clip my on clap clamp onto my hook and uh, and pull it out yeah. as needed. Um, as I've gotten older, though, um, I've kind of moved because if you do power bait. The the risk is you're you're pretty much going to mortally wound the fish, because yeah. the hook they swallow that down to their tail as we say, the hook's in their stomach, and if you yank that out, you killed the fish, and so you need to plan on keeping the fish if you're using power bait. Yeah. Um, I've heard that you can clip the line, and the hook will rust out over time. I I never seen anything scientific about that. I've done it. Somebody else's problem. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen a fish with a hook in its mouth either. So, like a rusty one, that is. Yeah, I I guess it kind of makes sense. I've heard it. I don't know. It might be a old wives' tale. Wives' tale. It's wives. It's not wives' tale. Oh, okay. Oh, I thought I thought it was old wives' tale for. Wait, it's wives' tale. Wives? No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, old wives' tale. I thought that for twenty-eight years of my life. Who, no, yeah, it's not. Okay, I am not. Okay, everybody Google listening. It. Everybody, I, this is this is truth bomb just blew up in my face right now. The wives' tale. I learned this two old, years ago, Rick. Yeah. Only two years ago, I thought it was wise tale. Old wise for tale for twenty seven years. Wives' tale. Wives. Wives. Old wives' tale. Uh, I'm not going to Google it because I don't want to be. I'm just going to start keep saying wise tale. It's wives. It, it is. Probably I, is. We were corrected. Corey and I were like, we didn't believe it. <laughs> Who we corrected were, you? We were our, was it our, our father? mother? <laughs> <laughs> our parents. <laughs> Okay, it was a wise tale. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Well. Now, Corey and I were in your spot two years ago saying, no, that's yeah. crap. That, no. Well, I always get news last anyways, so this isn't surprising. No, I forgot what I was talking about. Your wives' tale. <laughs> Tackle. Tackle. So, so as I've aged, I've explored and tried to improve my skills, my craft, and I, I went to... Uh, Rubber worms. The Lucky Lady Worm is the brand that we prefer. Um, what color, typically? There's a slew of colors. What do you like? Is, Me personally, yeah. I'm more of an orange and white belly. Um, that's a, it's a great bait. If you, it's kind of a if you're some people will get bored with power bait because it just sit and floats. This is more of an active bait, and it's still good for the, my spot and fish tactics. I can throw the worm out. Try to get that worm to work right in front of the thing's face and hope he's hungry enough to go after it. Um, but uh, if you want me to explain more on how to use it, I can. But we want to continue. We can keep it, yeah, we can keep it going. Okay. It might be. So since then, I have I still use all the baits I'm explaining, even today, even the dough baits. Um, I, I've steered away from the dough baits, but sometimes it's like nothing else works and... After a while, you're just like, the heck with it. Mm-hmm. But I try to catch my stringer on something else now, just out of, because I've moved beyond Yeah, you challenge yourself, yeah. Right. So, next I've gone to the Malibu jig, and that's literally just a lead weight with artificial or real feathers glued to it in a single hook. Um, that's still one that I really like to use. I feel pretty good about 
my own skill when I catch fish on that. And, uh, and then lately I've moved to rooster tails. Um, it's a small spinners, right? Yes. Spinner. They have a, they had the spinner on it. I mean, there's single hook, there's trip, there's treble hook version. Um, Reed's cabin had sold one with, uh, two treble hooks and it, and that's a well-made, uh, Rooster tail, like it looked like handcrafted. Oh, uh, they made them there. Yeah. Wow. It was handcrafted, like a fly, like someone tied a fly. It kind of looks like that, but it's a rooster tail. Um, and it still has the spinner on it. And uh, so that's kind of where I'm at now. Nice. With trout. What about you, Corey? Well, very similar to Brett, my arsenal has kind of evolved since I was a child. It was power bait at the beginning. What I usually carry in my vest is I do like to carry Lucky Lady Worms. They have proven to be very effective for the way that I fish. I fish a little differently. I do spot fish like Brett does, but I also look for um, trees that are down, deep holes, things like that. I like to find trees that are down because during the hot summer months, the trout like to stay underneath those branches for shade. And that is where, you know, a lot of times you'll, you'll find those mm-hmm. fish, but, uh, I like to use jigs. I've figured out how to, are <laughs> fairly good anyway, the last probably five to 10 years to, to use a jig a lot more efficiently than I did before. But I like to use even more than that as your rooster tails. I have had a lot of luck with, uh, I call it a, I think it ha- actually has a name, but I call it the blue and yellow rooster tail. I don't know what the actual name or the color is, but that is a very, very good lure to catch fish. Nice. But I also like to change up my baits throughout the day. Like what might work in the morning may not work at nine, ten o'clock. So I'm always constantly changing my bait up throughout the day based on, seems like wherever the sun's at. I don't know how scientific this is either. But based on where the sun's at and the hotter part of the day, it seems like they want something a little different. Mm. And it's not necessarily the same every day, but sometimes in the morning they want to chase a lot. So I'm using rooster tails mm. and, and jigs, things like that. And then come 9, 10 o'clock, it seems like they might be a little more, I don't know, they're trying to cool off. So they're hitting a little deeper water. So then I'll hit your lucky lady worms. I'll also use power bait once in a while as well and get down in those pools and see if I can catch them at those times. And then it starts to kind of go back towards the end of the day as well to where they start to want to chase a little bit mm-hmm. again. At least at Montauk, that's how it works for me. Yeah. Sky isn't here to explain this method, but uh, he was, last time I fished with him, he was having a float and he attached that to his line and then under, dangling, dangling below the float was a... Uh, just a tiny little white jig. So he's, he's using a dang old bobber? They call <laughs> him a mini jig. Mini jig. Mini okay. jig. I mean, this thing is teeny tiny. Yeah, it's literally a fly jig, right? Right. Like something a fly fisherman would use. And I guess it just, it sinks just below the surface. Obviously, the float keeps it from hitting the bottom. Mm-hmm. And uh, from what Sky said, they'd fish that method a lot. At Bennett Springs, which, like I said, we haven't, I haven't been there personally in 20 years. 
But I guess because so many fishermen clean their fish in the river, that those white jigs resembled chunks of flesh flesh from the fish floating down, and the trout are cannibals, and they like to eat it. Did he have Did he have any luck using those at Montauk, or he used that method during my bachelor party, which you were yeah. you're present. Um, we went to the uh, fly only area. Even though it says fly only, you're allowed to use uh, jigs and spinners that are uh, single hook. But he he used that method there. I, I guess he landed a fish or two. I don't think he had a lot of luck. But yeah, because Montauk's quite a bit different. I don't know if it's a rule there or not, but you don't see people cleaning fish in the Montauk stream like you do at Bennett. From what I've been told, like yeah. it's a everybody at Bennett cleans their fish in the stream. In the water, yeah. In Montauk, you don't see that very often. I mean, it used to be more prevalent at Montauk, but since they added the uh, fish cleaning station, they really eliminated a lot of that cleaning in the river. And I think, I think the policy—not that that's a rule—but I think it's, it's, it's a beautification thing. Where it's I think it's a, more, a more pleasant thing, right? I think Montauk the the staff would prefer you to use the cleaning station and not clean your fish in the river. They need more cleaning stations. Yeah, they need about they two have more. one, and it gets packed. Right. Yep. That's why we clean our fish at like 9 o'clock at night. <laughs> Nobody's there. But I think that's, and I don't know a whole lot about Merrimack to talk about the baits tactics to use there or roaring rivers or whatever you called it. Uh, we need to go. Yeah, just try something try different. Out, yeah. But I've heard that a lot of people, not just Sky, use the the white mini jig method because it imitates the, the flesh of mm. fish. So wherever you're at might try something different. I mean, that's why I'm talking about changing baits up all the time trying mm. not to use the same bait all day long because that's where people get frustrated with trout fishing they say i'm not having any luck and maybe they're not familiar with using spinners or jigs but i mean there's never a better time to learn mm-hmm. than while you're out there especially if power bait's not working yeah. all day right uh and i i'm like you Corey. i i never stick to one bait like if i if i start even noticing really that the fish aren't hitting what I'm using, then I'll start switching up. Um, I seldomly just stick to jigs or power bait or something of that nature. I And like you said, in the morning, it's, it's always easier to catch fish in the morning. That's just a fact. They've just been released. They're hungry. And pretty much whatever you throw out there, yeah. most days, you know, you're going to land something. That's why I, I almost refuse now to limit out in the morning unless we have other plans um for that day at camp but uh i usually limit myself one to two in the morning do you how do you feel about swivels changing your baits out quickly like you would do with you know bass fishing i'm sure it's it would be fine um but i I never felt the need i I never felt inconvenienced switching my own baits but if it's your preference and it, and it makes the process easier for you then i'd say go for it but it's not my personal preference i've been a little hesitant i've used them before and again i don't know i don't have a lot of backup on on proof on this but it seems like when i had even the small swivel i could find i wasn't catching fish as often as i was when i was actually just changing hook to hook manually well they do say that Trout have pretty decent eyesight, and that's why they recommend smaller line because 
and since you're fishing in such clear water that they can see your line and maybe seeing the swivel connected to a a jig or whatever a hook that's enough to throw them off i don't that's just me speculating there's no scientific anything behind that makes sense though ricky what do you what do you like to use in your arsenal yeah so uh i think i'm a little unconventional in, in the sense that uh for me patience is a is a is a, has always been an issue with me so when i'm out on the when i'm out on the stream i want to get as many cast in as possible and try to catch as many as possible typically in the beginning i like to try to get as many as i can save one for later on in the afternoon when we after we eat lunch and all that stuff but personally for me i've typically always i usually use just power bait i can call me a lazy fisherman but i've never had issues per se with i mean obviously there's times where they don't bite but i'm a i, I i'm a power bait guy so my loadout is typically three or four cans of different, <laughs> different <laughs> all the flavors. Yeah, we. It's interesting because the the most um, um, successful power bay I used was like a gold dust, where you it was like two. There was two different bottles, and it was one like it was like a garlic cheese, and you'd kind of get it wet, and then you would uh, you'd put it on your hook first, and then you would roll it into the gold dust. So it was like a it was almost like a like a spinner or you know something shiny. And I had really good luck with that. Um, in terms of, you guys didn't mention what type of line you guys use, but I know spider wire is typically the go-to. But I have, I'm trying to search it right now. Um, I've used off-brand fishing line just because I want to see. Like I, I, I try to test out different lines. Brad always calls me crazy. <laughs> but I've had pretty good luck with, their, uh, with Walmart's off-brand stuff too. And uh, I can't remember. It's, it's not Berkeley or... Uh, or even uh, spider wire, but some some brand. But so I typically I, I've had good luck with just four pound tests. That's what we've been talking about, <clears throat> and a number eight a hook. Um, that's usually what we use. So, but yeah, um, and I what I'm looking for when I'm fishing, I always like the the rushing water parts where where it picks up, and then kind of goes. There's like a. a Corey, you talked about trees falling over, but I like where the stump's at, like the turned over stump and where the water kind of pours into the back end where it's really like mm -hmm. you get that yep. big old don't step into it because you're going under type thing. And that's where we've had, uh, that's where we were fighting for that one fish and yeah. I caught it. It was a pretty, that was a good, decent fish yeah. a couple of years ago. So, um, but yeah, those are, those are my, uh, that's my, typically my go-to stuff. And then you guys are going to laugh at this, but when I'm, like I said, it's all about time. I want to get as many cast in. And when I have a hook break, I go to my good old trusty <laughs> Hook EZ. And if the people listening that don't know what that is, I've had the darndest time for, since I was 10 years old trying to trying to line a hook um, back up. And I don't know if it's my fingers, my uncoordination, whatever, but uh, whatever what typically what happens when you try to get through the loop and make that knot I'd let go of something and just fall out of my hand. So this hook, see, this hook easy thing, you open up a little door, put the hook in there, and you have like a little ring that's attached to. Goes around your finger and you, you can twist it, and it's on like a like a little swivel thing. So you don't have to move. All you do is just twist that that little compartment thing, and it makes it knots up your <laughs> your uh, <laughs> your hook really fast. And then it's got even a little uh, hook cutter on the back. So it just bam, bam, bam. And you're back in the water. 
I refuse. I refuse. <laughs> and you guys still refuse, but I, it's, uh, like I said, it, it, <clears throat> I, I, I've learned to do it. It just takes me a lot more time. And I hate sitting there when you guys are all catching fish. And I'm just, sometimes it's take, it takes me 10 minutes <laughs> to get this stupid hook to hook up a new. Let's do a challenge. We'll do a challenge of me. Well, you guys kill me on that because I haven't been practicing. You with your hook easy. It's, 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 it's about finesse. It's not about speed. It's about doing it right the first time. So I don't have to. Uh, well, that actually brings up a pretty good point because I've I have gotten in a hurry and I'll do like a single fisherman's tie instead of a double fisherman's tie. Um, and when I do that, I've noticed a large number of my fish just pulling that hook right off the string because I'm too big of a hurry to get that hook back in there. Yep. Right. Yeah. So I mean, you're right. It, it yeah. is about finesse, and it's what works for me. So it, like, what works for me may not work for you guys, and I just. It's just something when I saw this advertised that that hooksy thing, ten, like five ten years ago, I was like, I want that. I finally got it for my birthday or Christmas, or whatever. And man, it's been, I'd say it's been a blessing. But that string I was talking about, it's called Stren. Stren, yeah, S T R E N. And right? maybe it's not an off brand, but no, that's not no. Stren's actually not an off. Okay, well, that's what I've been using, and like it doesn't, it hasn't nested or anything, so it's been and pretty it's good. A monofilament, yeah, four pound monofilament. See, it's it's kind of funny when Corey says he refuses to use the hookies, and and I, I was in the same boat, and I still am just because I can tie it without it. But mm-hmm. if you really think about like all the gear that we have, you know, the old timer, old school guys, they would look at us and see our fancy vests <laughs> and our nets, and you know, they got their old tackle box sitting there, and they'd be, you know, mocking us. But essentially, it's just another tool amongst the many tools that yeah. we use. So I'll give you. Some props. Yeah, we'll, no, I appreciate we'll, that. We'll take it easy on you. Get it. Hook easy. Like hook I said, I just if I can get that hook on quick, I can get that bait on quick and get a cast in. That's all I care about. And we haven't discussed what type of poles we use yet. Uh, that's exactly what I was getting ready to say. <laughs> We've been talking about all the all the tackle we're using, but we haven't but we haven't talked about what poles we're using. Uh, I like to use a ugly stick ultralight. Right. I was going to say the ultralight, any brand, that's what you, because the part of the problem with Louis is I've, I've seen guys literally come into the stream with uh, catfish rods. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've seen guys with legitimate river rods with, you know, 30 pound test line out there. And I'm like, they're not, not that they're silly. They just, you know, that's what they're used to using mm-hmm. for catfish. And uh, so, for those who don't know, no catfish in nope. the current river. Uh, but yes, an ultralight, and yes, you you use your ugly stick. Um, our mother has had an ugly stick for thirty plus years. My entire existence, she's had that same rod, um, which is impressive. Rods usually break over the time over the years, but that ugly These stick is excellent. Through. Rods, yeah. I personally use my trusty. Zebco Micro Series. <laughs> I've had that rod for well, I've had it twenty years now. This this summer will make twenty years. Twenty years. And are you using uh, open face, closed face, or baitcaster reel? I personally use a open face. Um, it's probably my seventh reel, probably on this rod, just because over the years that you know, I've got enough dirt and grime and stuff in them that I, I don't mess. With cleaning it, yeah, I was like, <laughs> just get yeah. a new one. Your gear, your gear ratio on your new reel is something insane, right? It's like it is 
11 ball bearings. Holy smokes. Smooth. Yeah. So. You gotta my, be careful reeling in a spinner on. Yes. Yeah, I was getting ready. My previous reel was like a five ball bearing from Walmart, which, I mean, it was a nice reel. And, uh, but switching to my current reel as a, as someone who uses jigs a lot, I learned that using the same pace with my reeling, my one reel for my new rod is about six reels of my old. <laughs> so my jig was just flying through the water and I was like, what the heck? The fish couldn't even catch up to it. So it's it's been, even though I've had it since 2017, the current reel, I'm still, each time I go out for the first time, I have to re, kind of train my mind to slow yeah. down. Yep. I use a seven to one, I think is a seven bearing reel is what I'm using currently. And I mean, it's plenty smooth, plenty fast. That 11 is insane. <laughs> it's a learning curve. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my go-to is a, a Browning Superlight. Uh, gosh, it is like it's when you go to the store and you're just looking, what, what is my, and then you see that one pole and you're like, that's it. And I've been using that Browning Superlight for a while now. Granted, I've had a few rough goes with knocking the eye off the very top of it. Uh, sadly, I've done it again, so I've been just sucking it up. But I, I also have a five-bearing uh, reel on it as well. It's just a browning browning reel, but the thing's been smooth, and I've had some pretty good luck with it. I like how balanced that pole is. Mm -hmm. Like, it's way more balanced than the ugly stick. I mean, I use an ugly stick just because it hasn't failed me yet, so I don't upgrade, but that browning is a very balanced rod, and it's pretty it's smooth. And that's what I liked about when I, when I just tested out for the first time is smooth and um and i don't think there's a really a difference between because i was looking for an ultralight 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 but i think super light ultralight just as long as it's i mean i think i even before that i bought that red i think it was a it was a bass pro special or something and it was a light i believe and it was mm. still a little bigger but I had, it's like a it's kind of like a crappie rod yeah it was probably a little bigger than need to be but maybe a bass rod but that yeah i use browning it's she's good to go well, Browning is a good company. We were talking about tags earlier and how it's jumped up to $4. Uh, Brett, do you want to share kind of the benefits of raising the tag and maybe, you know, what Missouri has has brought in? Well, like as far as re like a revenue aspect, um, from what Missouri's uh, has uh, Missouri's stats on the matter, they – they claim that uh, over a hundred million dollars is brought in revenue for the state um, just from trout angling alone. So I'm, it doesn't—it's not specific, but I believe that is probably trout tags from the trout parks and trout stamps. Mm -hmm. That's, um, that's, and that's a probably, huge number, and I think it's earmarked for conservation. Yeah. It's not like general funds for the state. It's like mm. strictly conservation. That's why they have. Seems like endless amount of money to. Well, that's why they have such things. Uh, productive hatcheries across the state, and they they ship those out to different states. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. They they do it for like Lake Tanicomo down in Branson wow. too, which is a, not a trout park. You have to have a trout stamp to fish down there, but it's it's a a runoff from Table Rock Lake, and and they actually feed that river. It's called Lake Tanicomo, but it's actually a river. They actually feed that river with trout from Montauk. It's awesome. And that's because of all this money. 
to talk about how great the trout hatcheries are in Missouri, they release 1.5 million trout annually. Just from just and just the trout parks. Wow, 1.5 million fish. That's that's insane. That's a lot of fish. And then they lost how many? Do you remember how many they lost that year of? Was it 2017 when we had that big flood? I don't, I don't have any numbers, but I know that... It was it hundreds of thousands of fish. Right. I just remember I'd walk in that river, and I'd seen more trout than I've ever seen in my life. And many of them weren't ready to be released mm. because they were just this size. So I would throw my line in, and I was basically pulling my bait away from hundreds of little fish trying to <laughs> get a hold of what I threw out there. Yeah. And so it was neat to see all the fish in the water, but it was also an annoyance yeah. trying to catch a keeper just because there are so many little mouths trying to compete. <laughs> well, I know that that number alone is more than triple of that of like the hunting tags. Yes, I don't have here. the exact figures with me, but uh, I know that Missouri on average annually – at least since 2016, has has racked about 33 plus million a year on hunting permits. That's not specific, so I'm guessing that's all hunting permits. Right. Um, Turkey, deer, mm. trap, dwarfs it. Trap, fishing. Yeah. Right. The Missouri, the trout parks alone dwarf all of the hunting permits. I mean, that's substantial. Yeah. And. And a lot of out-of-state people come to Missouri just to fish these trout parks. Yeah, that's the beauty of it. I mean, your brother comes down from mm-hmm. Illinois. We have family that come down from Wisconsin. And it draws in a large crowd of people from all over the country because... It's well-managed. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's incredible. There's not a lot of litter when you go into those parks. No, it's beautiful. I mean, there's it's very well-maintained. They do a great job of keeping it clean. Uh, the people there are always respectful of the the curfews that they have out and it just brings in a certain type of atmosphere. Yeah. It's a it's good a family oh, yeah. friendly atmosphere. I mean, Take your families. So. Yeah, kids. According to the M- Missouri department of conservation or MDC, um, 30% of Missouri, the anglers in Missouri are out of state anglers. Wow. That's significant. Really? 30%? 30%. 30%. That's way higher than I thought. That's really, I knew it was a pretty good number, but I didn't realize it was 30%. It's so. it's such a good like it's a good business model. I mean, we could talk about this for hours itself, but just to have a affordable uh, tag system for people that are out of state. I mean, it's just it's a money generator. But do you guys know if other states do? I'd assume they would, but I I, I, I we need to look that, into that. Yeah. I just know that the, the trout parks are I believe are fairly. Uh, Unique to Missouri. I mean, I'm sure there's other states with similar concepts, and maybe there's more than I think. But it seems like a lot of people, obviously, 30% of the anglers are out of state, so a lot of people So travel. they know about them. Yeah. I mean, that's that's significant. So a lot of people are coming out of state to Missouri to fish these trout parks. So I would say it's probably fairly unique, at least in the Midwest. Absolutely. Because, I mean, going up north... And then going to the boundary waters and stuff like that's just not you can't take families up there. No, I mean that would be incredible. It'd be cool. It's to awesome. Do. It'd be awesome. Yeah. Catch like that's natural a bucket list. Why or go to Montana and catch one hundred percent natural trout like and salmon. Woo, yeah, that would be awesome. But we don't have that 
luxury yet in our lives. <laughs> so we stick to these trout parks and we just want to share how yeah. um, doable and affordable this is for everybody. Absolutely. No matter what and we do here. encourage everyone to come, like mm-hmm. to come to Missouri and experience these parks. Yep, absolutely. And if, if you are new, um, if you're new to the sport, if you're not, if you've never fished before, I mean, Montauk is a phenomenal location. I'm sure all the trout parks are in Missouri as well to get started on that. I mean, there's, they'll rent out poles, waders, everything. You can buy your tackle there, which is a little more expensive than if you buy it somewhere else. But I mean, do they have classes? Like, do they have like how to catch a fish class? I mean, I don't know. I've never seen that. I don't. That'd be interesting though. I don't think so, but. The social hole, as Brett mentioned earlier, is a great place to start if you're new. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can bring a lawn chair, bring a cooler, and you just throw your, you can throw your power bait out there, a bobber or whatever, and you're probably going to catch a fish. I mean, it might take you all day long, but you'll catch a fish. Yeah, and that's just that's a great way to get started on it. Um, so bring bring your poles, ultralights, super lights, um, light line. You want to use two or four pound test. Uh, you want sinkers. I'm going to say are, water gremlins. That's what we yeah, use. Yeah, water gremlins. Is they the seem to be the use. best. Mm-hmm. They're, just, they're sturdy. Yeah, and they're easy to clamp on and off if you want to change out baits quick. Um, I don't remember what size we use, though. Is it like six? or? Ooh, I, it's always kind of varied, but I, I think it's six, six, six to six ten. Shot? Split shot. Split, yeah. split shot, I mean. Sinkers and split shot are one and the same, for those who don't know. So typically the numbers for trout fishing is between four and eight. That's yeah, so no matter what yeah. you get. Hook size, hook yeah. size, yeah. Um, try to buy a vest. You can buy those pretty inexpensive. Yeah. Uh, just a cheap one. I mean, just a yeah. basic vest. Just something you can tie your net onto. A net. A net is. I mean, my net sucks. I hate my net. It gets caught in my stringer all the time. I'm going to invest in a new net. But get a net because trying to trying mm. to catch a fish and keep it on your stringer without a net is almost impossible. And that brings up a stringer too. You want a stringer, absolutely. Right. Want a stringer. It's kind of funny we were talking about split shot just a second ago. The the weights. Um, there's actually a little bit of a strategy to how to use those weights. Like in swifter waters, you might want to use heavier split shot. So it or deeper swift and deep water. I should say. I need to specify that way you can get down quicker and get that bait in front of the fish faster. If you're using two line of split shot on those swift deep holes, it'll just float right over their head. That's a great mm-hmm. point. Yeah, yeah is, we didn't yeah. even mention that because <laughs> they're talking about changing up baits and we're talking about these holes. It's not just what bait you use and what hole you're in, it's a combination of that and making sure that bait gets by the fish. Right? right. I think I usually put three, that's typically yeah, three, I, yeah, three on a line. So I change my, my split shot up almost as much as I do my hooks based yeah. on what type of water I'm fishing in. And I right. enjoy just fishing in places that not a lot of people even attempt. It doesn't look very inviting. You know, there's a little root and there's a little bitty hole there, maybe some moss. I'll throw it up in there and just see what happens. I like to challenge myself, but changing up split shot is very important. And then we haven't talked about sunglasses before we like, we, before we wrap this up, but that's a huge thing getting uh, polarized mm-hmm. sunglasses. And when you're looking at, this stream, it's very crystal clear. However, you know, it's, it's running water. So there's going to be current and ripples going through it. And, and that can be difficult to see without your polarized sunglasses. So that's, uh, that's the equipment we use. And mm-hmm. oh, and waders, waders, waders. Yeah. I mean, you can use any type of waders, just 
buy a pair of waders that don't leak. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. for for what you need. You just need a very light fabric wader. I we've used. They can be waist high mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Hip waders. We've yep. always used hunting waders. Seems like, but uh, you, that's not required. Um, and during the hot summer days, I use water shoes and swim trunks. So it's just water's like fifty-seven degrees, so it's a little cold. Yeah. But I I just checked the time. Yeah, we probably should have this up. An hour and twelve minutes. So wow, uh, that's about double our normal time. <laughs> so tell us where they can find us. Just wrap her up here, Brett. All righty, you can find us on Instagram. Our our tag or whatever name is hooked underscore od underscore podcast. We added that back. So that is the name for Instagram. You can find us on Twitter. Rick again, remind me of the name of Twitter. Outdoors hooked. Outdoors. Do we have more than one follower yet? Let's see. I'm checking now. We have two followers. Two followers. Yeah. Thanks, whoever that other guy was or girl. We'll Appreciate see. it. Oh, it's Connor. Yes, and me. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Connor. Thanks, Connor. So um, we also can be found now on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcasts. Google Podcasts under Hooked on Outdoors, I believe. Yeah, Hooked it's just, on Outdoors. Okay. Just their name, which is yeah, yeah. But we're listed under Tripod Broadcast. Tripod Broadcast. So you can find us on that website, tripodbroadcast.com. Tripodbroadcasting.com. Tripod Broadcast. Oh gosh, I can't remember. We have no idea where we're at. We're out there in the interweb somewhere. We promise. Tripodbroadcasting.com. Tripodbroadcasting.com. Okay. Okay, sorry, guys. <laughs> and then our primary site is YouTube. Please feel free to subscribe. Please subscribe. We prefer... And please, and questions, please subscribe. Questions, questions, comments. Yes. Like, we love that. We would love more comments. Give us thoughts, ideas, share your own experiences. If you have, you know, if you can relate, you have your own stories to tell, we'd love to hear it. But definitely smack that subscribe button. Yep. Yes. Please subscribe. All right, guys. Uh, Till next time. All right. All right. We'll see you next time. <laughs>